Want more of the Josh Scanlon podcast? Please. Please. Here you go. The Josh Scanlon podcast starts right now. It is Wednesday, April 18th, my friends. Welcome to episode 15 of the Josh Scanlon Podcast. Excited you're here with me today. Got a wonderful interview I did with a guy from uh, Wisconsin who's a guitarist in a band called 20 Watt Tombstone. Tom Jordan is his name. And uh, 20 Watt Tombstone, they uh, they just got off a small tour, about three weeks on the road, taking a couple weeks off, you know, practicing, maybe writing some new stuff. And then they're going to go down to a Southeast tour through Louisiana, they're going to be here in Atlanta, West Virginia, South Carolina, the whole thing. A good guy. A lot of actually interesting tidbits, uh, music related, uh, but not just that, just business building, basic business building. Because remember, a band is a business and you need clients in order to keep your business going. And uh, Tom and Mitch, the drummer of the band, uh, they've been together for going on six years now. They play about 200 shows a year. So they're doing something right. Um <laughs> It's, uh, it's interesting to find out because there's tons of bands out there and a lot just break up after a year or two because they're not getting the revenue. Uh, they're not getting the shows. I hate to say it, but a lot of times it's just they're not being aggressive enough of marketing themselves. And in this day and age when Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter is out there, if you're any kind of business building environment, you just need to be on these platforms. And, uh, and so here's how I got to know Tom. As he reached out, we're both part of this uh, heavy metal oriented uh, Facebook group. And he reached out to me, and I'm sure he reached out to a bunch of others just to say, hey, if you're interested in this kind of music, you'd probably like my band. And, you know, yeah, absolutely. I do. I do like the band. And uh, and so I just got to talk, thinking about it. I said, man, this guy's doing it right. You know, he wasn't over the top. He wasn't uh, soliciting me. He just goes, look, if you like this, you like me or what we're doing here. And, uh, and I, I think it's pretty cool. Good sales uh, technique that I think works real well, actually. Um, non-threatening, not pushy just if you like that you like what we're doing check it out and uh and real good so good to him i talked a lot about how he uses slide guitar because i did not know i was always wondering why a lot of guitars don't use that method when it comes to playing the guitar and tom was saying basically because it's almost like playing a whole new instrument i mean you got to learn the guitar first but when you're using a slide guitar it's like playing a guitar with no frets and uh, for a lot of people it's uh it's, it's too unique to go down that path but tom says he uses that almost exclusively I just love the sound of a slide guitar. Just, oh man, it just sounds great. The bluesy kind of nature of it. I just love it. Uh, the history of the slide guitar sa- sound Tom uh, educates us on, which is pretty cool. You know, how a guy is just him and Mitch. That's it. And they're putting on shows all over the United States and how it just he and uh, his partner do that. I mean, don't forget, they got to get hotels. They got to get shows. They got, I mean, just, yeah, it's, uh, that, it's a challenge. So we talk about that as well, which I think is very, very interesting. Uh, what is, he said about Facebook and Twitter, uh, YouTube, he's not nearly as down on YouTube and Spotify as you might think. In fact, he's a very uh, a proponent of both those methods to get the music out, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, interesting. He said Twitter accounts for almost three quarters of their sales on uh, social media. I was I was actually taken away by that. Um, Twitter accounts for that much of a bulk of their social media sales. Um, 
which is just amazing. So he says they're heavy on Twitter. So just, you know, by and large, folks, if you're running any kind of small business, be it a band, be it a, you know, a donut shop, be it a carpet cleaning, be it me when I'm doing financial planning, you just, you got to take advantage of what's out there. A lot of the stuff is free. YouTube's free. My podcast is yeah, free. I, it's not costing more than 10 bucks a month when I think about it. Uh, my blog post, that's uh, what, $50, I think, to host a thing all year. <laughs> You're talking 100 bucks maybe between my podcast, my blog, the YouTube videos we do for a year. I mean, that's, I mean, again, I got to pay for a, a little bit of a mic, but right now I don't even use a mic. I'm just using the uh, the internal mic on my Dell Chromebook here. So, but you got to be doing it. You got to be using what's available to you. So anyway, I think you'll enjoy this podcast. As always, go to heritagewealthplanning.com for more information on what we're doing. You can read the blog. Uh, you go to the YouTube channel, Heritage Wealth Planning, to see the videos we do. And of course, go to Facebook. Without question, uh, go to 20 Watt Tombstone on Facebook as well. Uh, same thing with YouTube. Watch the videos. We're going to end with the song of the day. A Shitty Ex-Girlfriend by 20 Watt Tombstone. Uh, the, the song is wonderful, uh, but definitely if you want to get a laugh, you got to watch the video too. It's it's uh, it's fantastic. I'm a big fan of it. So check it out. I hope you enjoy this podcast. We'll see you next time on the Josh Scanlon Podcast. Thanks, folks. Hey, well, thanks for getting on the call. It's fantastic, man. I'm sitting here in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. It's about 75 degrees and sunny. What's it like up in Wisconsin? Uh, same weather, I presume, right? Uh, it is cold, nasty, and there is lots of snow. I saw your uh, Facebook post the other day where you're trying to get through that uh, snowstorm, and that man, I tell you, I'm just sitting there. Oh man, <laughs> Almighty! Have you ever yeah. seen it snow this late in the in the in the uh, hell? It's the fall. I mean, the spring now. Have you ever seen it snow this late in the fall up there? I mean. I can't remember any time where we have had this much snow in April, but uh, I guess I was talking to a couple other people, and they're like, yeah, you know, in 1970, whatever, right. I guess, you know. But it's like, I in my lifetime, I, I can't remember it ever being this bad in April. We got between 20, 22 inches. And then I heard uh, somewhere uh, west of here they got almost 30 inches. That's so, crazy. Man. Yeah, it's uh, just it's nuts. I need to move. <laughs> that, I'm telling you, I'm telling. Right now it is friggin' beautiful down here. There's not the problem with the south is the pollen is a mofo. But I mean, it's other than that, mm-hmm. it is just gore. It's a cold winter down here too, but not like what you all are getting up there. And I, I'm from Maine originally, Tom. And I tell you, man, I don't. I can't. Uh, I just. I don't have it in my blood anymore to deal with the cold. It's. Uh, it's not just the snow. It's the cold. I can't take it. It hurts. It hurts. But, yeah, uh, yeah. It's. It's bad news. And the thing is, like everybody always tells me, well, you know, if you move somewhere else, you have to put up with extreme heat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. You know, it's like your car doesn't break from the heat. Oh. You know, That's what I got air conditioning for, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, I don't know. It, to me, I'd much rather have hot and be able to turn on an air conditioner or a yeah. fan. You know, I mean, uh, it just, uh, you know, and we drive a diesel. So our diesel, you know, in the wintertime, it's a, you know, it's a bitch taking care of it because, uh, you know, you got to plug it in every night, you know, and if it gets below 20 degrees, you know, it's not plugged in and you're outside a venue or, you know, you're staying at a motel in a place where you can't plug it in and it gets cold, 
you got to worry, is it going to start, you know, and that, that sort of thing. So it's just cold sucks, man. The roads get shitty. I mean, yeah, the roads don't yeah. get shitty from, from hot weather. <laughs> now you got you, know? you got to plug it in to keep the battery charged. Is that what you're doing, or what? The, what do you mean you got to plug it in? Um, diesels usually have uh, what's called a block heater, and it keeps okay. the uh, the oil in the engine block ah. from gelling up. Because there's there's a lot of paraffin in uh, diesel fuel, and I guess in the oil too. And uh, what happens when it gets cold is that paraffin gels up, and then you get slushy gas and oil and or the engine won't even turn over because the oil turns so hard so what happens is when you plug that um that engine block heater in it just kind of warms up the, the block enough that it doesn't happen so it'll start and turn over ah yeah that's why in canada they got all these uh cars that got little uh you know uh i guess 120 volt plugs at the on the front of their fender there or their uh you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying I, ah, I did not know that I learned yep. something new every day. And like I said, I was from Maine. You thought I would have uh, known that. But uh, when I was growing up, Tom, we didn't have cars back then. You know what I mean? I'm only 47, but uh, I was raised by hippies who didn't want to have a, a car. So I guess that was hell. Being uh, for that vehicle. That's all new to me. But, uh, <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate you giving us a call. And, uh, and, folks, just as I'm going through my podcast, I, I just want to interview people of interest to me. And uh, Tom's uh, – a member of a band called 20 Watt Tombstone, and you reached out to me via Facebook. And uh, I you know, listen to music, love music, uh, love what he's doing. So I figured I just you know, I asked him, hey, would you be interested in uh, in chatting about what you're doing? And I don't know Tom other than this call, other than a couple posts posts on Facebook that we changed, and uh, and that's it. So it's exciting to get a chance to, to talk to some guy. Um, you know, obviously not from Atlanta, but I'm excited to talk to you, Tom. So hey, tell me real quick, a little bit, you know, your background, your story. Are you a native of Wisconsin? The, uh, the Tom store, if you would. Um, I mean, I, I grew up in Wisconsin. Um, I've kind of moved all over the place in Wisconsin, but now I live in Wausau, which is kind of north central in the state. Okay. Um, I lived in Milwaukee for a while. That didn't last. Um, kind of bounced all over. Had a kid and uh, stopped playing music for a while, and then... Uh, kind of got back into it when he was older and I've been pretty much doing that uh as my full-time job for probably like the last 10 12 years something like that. Oh, so, okay, cool. So you've been a, a real I hate to say real but professional musician for for a while now. You know, the the word professional implies that I make money, but <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, uh you know, I I do all right. I I pay my bills, and uh, we were able to uh, buy a new van two years ago and that sort of thing. So I keep a roof over my head and got my kids through, uh, you know, high school and stuff and that sort of thing. Nothing fancy, but, uh, you know, it works. Now, when you you first had your your boy, you said boy, right? Yep. So you were, you know, you're playing, you know, you're younger than obviously you're playing, things going right, and all of a sudden, hey, you got a kid coming down the bike, and you had to say, I got to I gotta feed the kid, so I got to, you know, take a hiatus, I guess, from uh, from being a professional musician and go work at, you know, digging ditches or something, or what? I mean, that, that's got to be pretty challenging right there to make that to make that sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, when when he was born, I uh, 
I wasn't really touring that much. I was doing a little bit here and there, but it was mostly okay. short, uh, short runs. But uh, when he was born, I just made the decision that, you know, that that's really a very important time in a kid's life. And I wanted yeah. to make sure that yeah. I devoted as much to those early years as I could. Yeah. Um, so I actually barely played guitar. Like, I didn't really practice. Um, guitar kind of took, you know, took a, a, a lesser role in my life, yeah. um, you know, to be a dad. And... Um, you know, I wouldn't change anything about it. It gave me some very, you know, um, important time with my son when he was younger, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. But, um, you know, it's it's like anything, you know, in life, uh, you got to make sacrifices, you know, for the more important things. And family, family is one of those things that, you know, should should always come first. And uh, yeah. so when he was little, you know, I. I pretty much was dad and, you know, nothing else. Worked regular jobs and, uh, you know, did stuff with him. And when he was probably about six, um, I started kind of, you know, testing the waters again and kind of playing out here and there. And and then um, when he was probably about eight is about when I started playing out again regularly yeah um and then it just kind of built from there but i always kind of you know was dad first musician second until you know he was about 16 and then when he was 16 i was able to you know kind of get back into it heavily and and not have to worry about you know can i trust him to get his schoolwork done on a weeknight right, while i'm right, right. you know driving on the road that sort of thing so it was a challenge, but we got through it. He He's doing well. He's, you know, he's out on his own now. You know, he's working a job, bought himself a car, that sort of thing. So I couldn't have done too badly, I guess. <laughs> I tell you, man, it's, uh, a young boy needs a dad. That's all there is to it. I, I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm telling you, yep. kudos to you, man, because the boys need their pops, that's for sure. How did, oh, the, uh, how did, how did you get, uh, when did you first pick up a guitar? What was your first instrument? What uh jukebox hero kind of thing you like that old foreigner song what uh what how did you first get involved <laughs> in playing instruments um my story isn't necessarily a cool one like uh my dad used to play acoustic guitar when i was really little and i would just make noise on his like when he wasn't looking right, right. Um, <laughs> but uh you know he he kind of taught me a few basic songs you know um oldies that sort of thing i learned you know wipe out on his acoustic guitar and learned a couple kenny rogers songs and a couple bob dylan songs real basic stuff like that and uh you know when i was probably about eight um i saw the video for hot for teacher by van Halen, right, right. and uh that i mean there's not a lot of points in my life that I can pinpoint the moment that things happened. You know, it's like, I just remember kind of a, a, an evolution into certain things, but that was definitely the moment that I went, I want to do that. You know, like I, I, the part where Eddie's dressed up like the, you know, where, where the kids dressed up like Eddie and he's walking down the table playing guitar, you know, and there's hot chicks in that video and every, you know, it's like, it's, it's like just, 
you know, stimulation overload, like rock and roll is just happening everywhere in that video. So for me, that was the moment where I, I realized that, you know, I wanted to play guitar. You know, I wanted to play electric guitar. And uh, obviously what I do now has nothing in common with Eddie Van Halen. Uh, and I am nowhere near the guitarist that that guy uh, is or was. But um, But that was the moment I kind of was drawn to you know, rock and roll and, and, you know, playing electric guitar, I guess. Before that, were you in any, you know, hard rock or anything like that before? Like, were you, you know, completely like, uh, you know, folk guy? I mean, I know you're only eight, but you're looking back in your memory where you're like, oh, man, that's what just turned some, something on your brain, man. Is that kind of what happened at that point? That's that's pretty much what happened, you know, because yeah. before that I had my parents' influence, and so my parents didn't yeah. listen to any, you know, any really wild ass rock and roll so for me that was it was kind of like the moment where i discovered everything else it was like the doorway you know after that came you know hendrix and kiss and you know all the other stuff that that i eventually found and you know as a teenager um i got more into you know, like Iron Maiden and uh, Black Flag and, you know, a lot of punk because I was riding around on a skateboard with uh, a bunch of losers back then. So, like, you know, Misfits, Black Flag, Minor Threat, all that stuff kind of was was part of my childhood, too. But um, but Eddie really was the moment that, uh, you know, it it spoke to me and kind of pulled me in, I guess. I always wonder why that is. Like, I, there's something in a guy's or a woman. I don't know. I just a man. You are too. But that just has a certain. It takes them that direction when he hears something on the radio. I mean, my first thing is Black Sabbath, Master of Reality. Uh, you know, my parents were mm-hmm. like that folk all the time, folk, 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 because they're hippies. And then I had this uh, twelve. I don't even know how I got it. It's a twelve-inch LP, and I played it, and I said, "Holy crap!" It was literally probably my favorite album still of all time. But it just I was like. I, something hit me, man. It's, I don't know what it is. I, if I ever had the uh, the money, I'd want to do a science project. Like, why do some people like that kind of music and some <laughs> people like this kind of music? Because, like, my wife can't stand the music. I'm like, can't. She's like, dude, that sucks. I'm like, I don't get it. How do you like that crap? And I like this. You know, and she's a smart lady. It's not like, I just, it's the weirdest thing, man. It's funny how that just turned you on. And, you know, and if you didn't hear that at that time, who knows? You might be in a boy band or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Crazy. Well, I think loud guitar speaks to a lot of people, you know. Yeah. And I I think there's something about, you know, having loud, overdriven guitar that just makes us kind of grit our teeth and go, yeah, you know. (laughs) That's a good point. When you go into a a show when they're setting up and you just hear the first chord or something like that, it it does put some, uh, it gets you fired up. (laughs) I mean, it really does. You know, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I never thought about it like that, just that. That sound right there is a uh, it draws people in for sure. Oh, that's interesting. How did you um? Were you, so during that again that hiatus, were you just were you missing it? Were you like, man, I got to get that? I mean, or, I know you. I get the thing with folks on the kid and all that. One hundred percent appreciate that. But in the back of your mind, were you just like, oh, on a stage, you're just playing, or what? Uh, did you just feel like you're at, you're missing something? I mean, you know, it, it's weird, but at the time. Um, I didn't know what I was really missing. I yeah. I I kind of felt like 
like something was missing, but I didn't, I hadn't really embraced music to the level that I have today. So I don't think I really understood what was happening with me at the time. I think I, I think I, I I knew that something was missing. I just didn't know what it was. And I was so distracted with being a dad that a lot of the time it just felt like, well, this is where I am. This is what I need to do for now, you know? And I don't think, I don't think so much that I, that I missed it, but there was, there was definitely, there was definitely not some, something wasn't being fulfilled that, that I could feel, but I didn't really understand if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cause a lot of times just sitting in, you know, picking out some, uh, some chords or whatnot, it's good time. Please, you know, I mean, I know, I don't know, I can mess around with the guitar, not like any good, trust me, but I mean, just sitting there and just messing around with it, it's just relaxing, you know what I'm saying? And if, uh, mm-hmm. if you weren't doing that, especially if you were actually a guitar player up to that point, I think that'd be a, that could be a challenge, man. You're like, I just need to pick out something because I'm stressed, especially when you're raising kids. It's never easy raising kids, mm-hmm. I don't know what anybody says. How did you, um, yeah. how were you able to get back in it? So you got back in it and you started getting shows or something, but that's not easy. And did you start knocking on doors saying, hey, I want to, you know, I'm interviewing a, a drummer. I want to start playing gigs again. What? How did you get back into it? We actually, uh, you know, even if it's only on a weekend show, how did you get back to doing that? It's a, a salesmanship right there. Well, it's weird because um, at the time I was working a, you know, a desk job. I was working at the the newspaper uh, in Wausau here, and uh, I was working as a telemarketer and. Uh, didn't really like my job, but it paid the bills. Yeah. And, uh, you know, somebody somewhere had said something to me, oh, yeah, you play guitar? So I pulled out my, you know, my amp and my guitar and stuff and played a little bit. And for whatever reason, I just went, you know, I should I should start doing this more. Yeah, right, right. And so I started playing, playing at home more again. And, uh, you know, it kind of rekindled the fire, I guess. And I started going to the music stores and hanging out with the musicians down there and buying gear again because I hadn't bought anything in so long because all my money had went towards my my son. So I finally got to the point where, you know, I could buy a $200 guitar, you know, when he was like eight. So, um, you know, I, I would go in, I'd sit and talk to the guys at the music store. I'd play all the guitars and, you know, save up money and bought better gear and, yeah. you know, and uh, so one day one of the guys that was at my job sitting next to me was like, hey, we have this blues guy um, down at the club tonight that I bounce at. He's like, you should come down and sit in with him. And I'm like, oh. okay, well, whatever. Right. So I went down there and I sat in with the guy and uh, it started a friendship that I still have with, with him to this day. And he took me under his wing and taught me how to play slide guitar, which I use almost exclusively now in the band I'm in currently. But uh, that's kind of what started it again, because I got on stage with him and then started doing that. And then uh, eventually a band called me up and was like, hey, you want to come play guitar? So that's what kind of started it, I guess. That's interesting you said about the slide guitar because that's one of the attractions I loved when uh, when I was watching your videos and listening to the song. I, I again, look, I'm an ignoramus when it comes to I mean I know what slide you know, how to, what it sounds like, but I don't know anything about the technique behind it. But uh, I'm surprised more people don't use that technique. I, I think it's it's just a fantastic sound. Is there some 
you know, again, part of my ignorance. Is there a special skill, a special thing you got to acquire to learn how to to do that? Because I mean, I tell you, I just love it, and I'm I'm surprised more people don't don't have that sound. It's just you know, it's it's like learning a different instrument. You know, really? instead of okay. instead of fretting the guitar hard with your fingers, where you press down and and uh, the string connects with the fret, and you get yeah. you know whatever note that is. Um, with a slide, you don't press down. Like you just set the slide on the strings, and it's almost like a fretless instrument because you're not using the frets on the guitar. You're you're basically setting the slide on top of the strings to create the sound that would normally come out when you fret the instrument. Yeah. Um, but it's basically like playing a fretless instrument, so it's almost kind of like learning um, learning a whole different side to guitar. There is a little bit of a learning curve, obviously. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, since, absolutely. It's, since it's like a fretless instrument, you don't have clear, you know, set notes that this, you know, when you press down here, this note happens. Right, right. You know, right. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you can move your finger like a quarter inch to the right or the left and, you know, make a note flat or sharp. You know, but you can also slide it around and create, you know, kind of some some cool dynamics there. So it's it's definitely uh, you know something that you can't just sit down. If you know how to play guitar, you can't just sit down and play slide. Um, but knowing how to play guitar first, obviously, is a huge yeah. uh, huge bonus, and you'll pick it up fairly quick. It's not as hard as people think it is. Um, a lot of people think that it's you know, something you have to spend 20 years on to learn how to do. But um, it's, you know, I, I learned guitar almost exclusively by ear until I met the guy that taught me slide. And he's really the only, like, real guitar teacher I guess I've had. I had I had a guitar teacher when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, I'd go in and be like, hey, I want to learn Stairway to Heaven. And he'd show me right. how to play that. He didn't really teach me a lot of you know, technique or theory. Most of that I picked up on my own. But, um, but yeah, slides really, in my opinion, underutilized by a lot of people. Oh, man. And uh, I, it's definitely a cool sound. That's the uh, the origination of the blues guys, I guess, right? I mean, those are the guys mm-hmm. who kind of, okay. Yeah, so you said a blues oh, guy. Yeah. I wonder why they, uh, just you know, just thinking out loud, I wonder why those guys started instead of country guys or blue guys. I just wondered what the... Uh, but the background, like the first guy started to slide, you know, Delta, Mississippi or whatever, and all of a sudden just that, you know, from that locale just kind of picked up steam and all that yeah. uh, genre. Interesting. Well, and the the thing is, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of the old blues guys in the South, what they would do is they would, you know, get these beat-up old guitars and they would tune them to an open chord and, you know, just play, you know, fret bar chords up and down the neck and that was kind of what they did well then some of them started using things like bones and knives to create the slide sound that yeah. you know you hear today and as i understand it um the resonator guitars that you know you see a lot of those guys playing those originally were created um you know because there's there's basically like metal cones inside those things and the reason those were created is before before there were amplifiers for guitars, um, 
some of these guitarists would have to play with, you know, like piano players and stuff like that, where they would have to get over the volume of, you know, a piano right. or something. And so they created these resonator guitars with the metal plates inside to be a little louder than a regular acoustic guitar. And that's kind of where um, a lot of jazz and stuff like that, those guys were using those. And then they eventually uh, started being used by blues guys too. Man, that's a, uh, oh man, I, I love that stuff. I didn't, that's, the, man, you got to love the creativity. That's, I mean, just talking about music, that ah, I just love the idea. There's some guy out there that says, you know, we could do this better. Let's put the resonator thing in there like you're talking about, and that way I can at least hear mm -hmm. you know, my girlfriend down the way can hear me over playing over the piano player. Ah, it's just <laughs> great. The human being is amazing. I, I just love it, man. I love the history of just music and the different genres, how things come to be. I just think it's fantastic. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, man. It's um, interesting stuff. It is. I just think about it. Some, and now you're, I mean, think about it. So some guy, I don't know, throwing it out there, is doing it work he's doing it now. Here's Tom Jordan in Wisconsin elaborating on it to your music style. I mean, I just, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I just think that's, uh, that's, that's pretty cool, man. What, uh, when, now, so you just got off tour. Is that, did I see that right or, or, or what? Um, well, it wasn't really a tour. We, uh, we don't call anything that's less than like three weeks a tour because okay. <laughs> it's just not for us. Um, but yeah, we, we did a short run. Uh, we had a, we had a festival in St. Louis. We, we had the war goat festival down there that we just did. And we booked basically a week up to that and then went home. Um, and then like the week before that, we booked a week down to Texas and back. So, I mean, we've done a bunch of short runs. Um, our, our actual tour tour is going to start here in May and that'll be, okay. uh, just a little bit over a month. So now how do you book these shows? I mean, are you doing it, Tom, or you got a, a guy who's doing it for you or how do you, you know, how do you get them in place? Um, well, when we started doing this, uh, we had a booking agent that we had worked with for a long time and she, she worked with us for about four years and now she retired. So, um, so I've been doing most of it myself since then. Um, but you know, a lot of it, a lot of it is because of her. I mean, you know, she believed in us when nobody else did and basically got us out there playing, you know, month long tours in the beginning and I started making contacts and I, I'm just the kind of person where I always kind of prepare, you know, uh, business wise, at least, um, for the future. So, you know, with her, it was like, I, I knew at some point this relationship was going to end and I needed to be ready to take yeah. the reins when it did. So I, you know, the whole time she was doing our booking, I was making the relationships and getting the contact info and, uh, so when she retired, um, you know, I I was much more ready to take over than, you know, if I hadn't done that. There's still, you know, there's there's millions of clubs, there's millions of, you know, places out there and we're always kind of trying to broaden our our reach. So, um, you'll always have, you know, the the awkwardness of trying to you know, reach out to a new club and they don't know who right. you are. Um, but I feel like I learned a lot from her to the point where I know how to, 
deal with those situations and I know how to keep, you know, keep moving forward. But, um, but yeah, definitely, um, working with her in the beginning, you know, helped me learn a lot so that I, I can do it better now, I guess. So let me ask you a question. Say you guys, you booked a show in Seattle, you booked a show in San Jose. Let's just say a Monday in Seattle and Thursday in San Jose. Just use that for example. And you're like, man, we got three days between shows. We've really got to get a, a place in Portland, Oregon. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I just mm-hmm. logistically, it's got to be a pain in the ass, man. So how do you, you just start calling all the people in Portland, Oregon who've got a, a venue for you that, you know, it's, uh, at least has an affinity towards rock and roll music? Or you, I mean, how do you... Or do you not even book the show in Seattle and San Jose before you get all three things lined up? I mean, where do you start? You know what I'm saying? Logistically, that's uh, that's tough. How do you do that? Um, well, for me personally, a lot of guys have different methods, but what I've found that works for us is um, I decide on routing before I book a single show. Okay. You know, I look where do we want to go, how do we want to get there, What's what places do we want to go through, um, you know, that's usually how I do it. Sometimes we'll get a festival that'll call us up or something and they'll be like, Hey, you know, we want you to come here and blah, 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 blah. And the money, you know, will be good enough that we can use that for an anchor gig. Right. And then I just right. kind of route you. to it and from it. But for the most part, we decide on a route ahead of, ahead of time. We decide what states we want to go through, what cities we want to visit. Um, I try not to book a completely new run all at once unless I okay. absolutely have to. So what I'll try to do is, you know, book to a familiar place where I know we have draw, where we have guarantees, um, and then maybe branch off of that. You know, like do two weeks out to, you know, like Texas where we played a bunch before. And then from Texas, maybe take a risk and, you know, go to New Mexico or Arizona or, you know, stuff like that. I try not to go, well, we haven't been down the West Coast. Let's just book the whole West Coast. I try not to right. do that because then you're taking a lot of risk. You know, if you have two weeks of solid shows you've done before and then you have like a week or two of shows you haven't played, then you, you know, you don't have as much risk. So I always try to balance it out too. That's a like, pretty good know, idea. Yeah, absolutely. You know, safe That's, gig, uh, risky yeah. gig kind of thing. And then the risky gig, if it falls apart, you can always go back to your other state gig. If you if a risky gig works, you've got another contact for next time. You can kind of build out from there. Exactly. And the other thing, too, is getting your foot in the door in some of these places is really where you build more money, build more fans, you know, build a relationship with the club. Yeah. Like, we've had places where we go in the first time and it's a door deal, you know, and it might not even be a good door deal. It'll be like, you know... 50% of the door or something. And uh, we'll go in there, we'll play, we'll kill it. And, you know, the bar owners will be like, hey, you know, now they'll know, know you better, you're good people, you know, and then the next time maybe they'll do a guarantee, you know. Um, but uh, the other thing, too, is meeting bands. You know, that's a big one for ah, us. You know, okay. you meet other bands that, yep. that help you network because it's really hard when you're not in the state that That's they're what I'm in. Saying. Exactly, right, right. You know, so if you if you make friends with other bands, you can actually hit the bands up and say, "Hey, we would like to do do a show on such and such date. Can you help us find bands to play with us? Can you tell us, you know, what the clubs are we should be playing? That sort of thing. You can kind of get, you know, your finger on the pulse, I guess, a little a little more 
uh, accurately if you have bands that are playing within that market. So that's a big one too. That's uh, and then they can do the same for you. They can say, "Hey, we're thinking about coming up to Wisconsin. Who should we uh, talk to?" Mm-hmm. Things like that. Then you can look them up too exactly. the same way. How do you exactly. split the? Uh, I mean, if you, I'm just curious. If a band says, "Hey, we're you know we're local of Topeka, Kansas. We'd like for you guys to come down and play," and you're like, "Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it still costs money to go play." I mean, mm-hmm. how do you you split the door? You you got a guarantee? I mean, how does that work? So I mean, just in terms of spending your time in that. Kind of so if you're going to Topeka, Kansas, that means inherently you're not going to Chicago. So how do you make that mm-hmm. decision if it's worth your uh, worth your time and effort? We try to get guarantees everywhere we go. Yeah, um, okay. Unfortunately, there are some clubs that just they don't do it, and it's not part of their business model, and that's fine. Um, we try to make sure that the door deals we're doing are you know, are lucrative, you know, like, do we have bands that will draw well? A big yeah. thing for us, too, is, you know, you roll into town, you know, from 16 hours away, um, you should not outdraw the locals. If if your out-of-town bands are outdrawing your locals, there's there's definitely something wrong there. And we've had that happen a couple of times, you know, where we roll in and, you know, it's a three-way split of the door, um, and we draw 15, 20 people right. on a Tuesday, and the local bands draw nothing, and then they take a third of the door. That's the only time that I really have an issue with splitting the door equally. I mean, right. I, yeah. I want everybody to I want everybody to get paid. I don't want anybody coming right. out of it in the hole because everybody has to make a buck at the end of the day. But you know, the the touring band, like when we do shows up here. Our 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 way of doing things is any touring band that comes through with us gets paid a lot more than any locals. Like if we do a show and we get paid five hundred bucks, um, more than likely if there's a us and another local, we take maybe fifty bucks, yeah. you know, hundred tops, and we pay the touring band everything else because we know that the expenses are there. You know, it's it's expensive to do this, um, but we've actually had shows where you know, we're 20 hours from home and there's two locals on the bill and uh, the locals will, you know, take an equal share of money and not do any promotion, not, you know, bring any people. And it's like, you know, if if you're bringing people, like if, if you're a local and you bring 40 people to a show, you should be paid for that because that's your right. draw. You know, right, right. But right. when you when you aren't posting anything on Facebook, you're not sharing the events, you're not doing any of that, and some out of town band from twenty hours away comes right. and outdraws you, you're doing something wrong at that point. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. So and you know, I've always I've always said bands should be paid fairly, uh, but they should be paid fairly based on the work they do for the show. You know, it's one thing to put put your all into a show and not draw any people. That's happened to all of us. You know, you put the work in. The Facebook event says 100 people. You know, the v- event's getting shared like crazy, and you're like, yeah, this is good. And then you show up, right. and there's five people there. You know, it, unfortunately, that's part of the game. But yeah, at least no, you tried. You know, at least you did the work. What bothers me is when bands are like, oh, we can't figure out why nobody didn't show up. That's and it's true. like, well, you didn't promote your show you know so so that's a big one for us but we we try to get guarantees to avoid that scenario um you know 
it's just uh, it's safer for us, and then we don't have to deal with you know paying locals. You know, because that's just something I I I've never been comfortable with because I never know you know how some of these bands are going to react. Are they going to want more money? Are they going to you know, want less money. And I don't want to ask anybody to take less money because that's just not how I am. But, uh, so at the end of the day, we try to get guarantees for the most part, but door deals are, uh, unfortunately part of the game. Part of the business. You know. Yeah, absolutely. How many, how many shows a week you played? I mean, if you just had calculate, you got 365 days in a year. How many, how many shows would you play over the course of that year? Are you think an average? And again, I, I mean, I get everything changes, but if you just had a guess, man, how many would you think you'd play? Uh, usually, when I when I file our tax returns uh, at the end of the year, most of the time we're between 150 and 200 shows a year. Really? Wow, yeah. man! How do you keep motivated? For I mean, you know, I've been at a ton of shows, and my and I've always wanted these bands that come through, and I just I just I don't know how some of these guys keep motivated when there's, you know, five guys, you know, drinking beers and, you know, they're flirting on girls. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how you, how you keep motivated, you know what I'm saying? To get up on stage and, and make it, uh, make it worth it. One or two guys are actually there and interested and make it worth their while. That's, that's tough. Yeah. I mean, it, it is tough. You know, some, some days you love it and you can't wait to do it. And then other days you just hate it and you want to go sleep, you know? Right. And, and I get other musicians that are like, oh, man, like, how can you say that? Like, I'd give anything to be, you know, able to do it. And here's here's the vital thing that a lot of people don't understand. Anytime you do anything for a job, whether it's something you love or hate or whatever, it takes on job qualities, you know. And anytime something takes on job qualities, it has its moments where it's going to suck, whether you love it or not. You know, and and we do it so much sometimes um, that there are nights where I have to look over at Mitch and go, man, I'm just not feeling this. Like, I need to get psyched up for this one because I, you know, and he's done the same with me. And we, we try to we try to get each other feeling it, you know, as much as we can when we're not. But the the reality is most of the time when I'm not feeling it, it's because of something bad that happened and it's happening to him too. So it's usually the two of us at the same time. However, I, I will say this. Um, I try to remind myself on a daily basis, especially on the road, I try to remind myself that, you know, even on its worst day, this is still the best job I've ever had. And it beats the hell out of, you know, any any day job I've I've done before this. So I always try to remind myself to be grateful and say, hey, you know, there's a lot worse things I could be doing. You know, this this is the best job I've ever had, you know. So sometimes that helps. Sometimes, you know, you just got to grind through it and go to yeah. bed and wake up the next day and try to be more positive, you know. Very profound, man, about uh, even if the job you love is still going to be a job in some regard. I just actually started my own my own firm, I do financial planning for a living, and, uh, and I love it. I, you know, I love it because you're independent, but there's some things I hate doing. I'm like, oh, God, mm-hmm. I just I don't want to. But like I said, if you're self-employed and you're doing what you love, there's still going to be things you hate doing. You just got to be part exactly. of the thing. And certainly better than selling, you know, telemarketing, selling newspapers for the Wausau Telegram or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Yep, I mean, exactly. Uh, 
And Mitch, uh, Mitch, so it's a two-man band, you and Mitch as a drummer? Yep, just the two of us. Talk about that. That's uh, that's pretty unique. Uh, you know, no basses, no other guitars, so just you guys. So what, uh, how do you know Mitch? I mean, what, uh, you know, tell me how that came to fruition. That's, I think that's pretty cool, actually. We, uh, we were in a three-piece band. He, he was actually filling in for our drummer for a while because okay. uh, that drummer had family commitments and couldn't, you know, make a lot of the shows. So he started filling in once in a while, and uh, then eventually the bass player that we had at the time, uh, he was married and had two kids, so it was hard for him to tour, and we just kind of wanted to keep progressing and playing more and getting out further and traveling, and and, uh, we couldn't do that with the band that we had. So one day we were just like, you know what, we'll start a duo as kind of a joke and see where it goes. And... uh, Originally, it was just supposed to be a little side project for fun, and the other band was really, you know, where the focus was, but um, it ended up becoming something that we had to take more serious uh, later on because people were starting to dig it and ask where, you know, when we were going to record an album, you know, if we were going to come play other states. So kind of out of necessity it just went okay well we got to do this a little more seriously than we originally planned and it kind of evolved from there but uh but he and i have really good um on and off stage you know our 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 relationship is really solid you know like we'll fight about stuff off stage or whatever um, but usually usually it's like you know, we'll have a big knockdown, drag out fight, screaming at each other, and then we hug. We're fine, and we don't discuss it anymore. You know, <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's fairly unique in that we are complete polar opposites. You know, I'm I'm like 12 years older than he is. Um, you know, he's the young party guy, and I'm right. the band band mom, so to speak. But uh, <laughs> But we uh, we work well together on stage and off stage. You know, we 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 gel really well and we get along well. So it's it's been one of those things where we've been lucky to um, to be able to tolerate each other and not kill each other and be stuck in a van for a lot of you know the time. So so it's working out well. You know, man, that's uh, I, man, I don't know how y'all do it because I know like. Well, I'm with somebody, you know, for three straight days. I just want to kill myself. Not literally, uh, but just, you know, <laughs> like, ha, ah, I need my space. And uh, even yep. with my closest brother, let's put it that way, we traveled to uh, one time. We had a family reunion someplace in, in Indiana. We actually went through a Madison, Wisconsin. Really, with each other five days, Tom, after the fifth day, I was like, dude, you're going to have to walk. I just say that literally. I was like, man, we were getting on each other. They'll say it. I don't know. So you guys got to have Ooh, man, that's, uh, but, you know, you're mad. You fight, you get over it the next day, you're right back at it. That's pretty cool. And uh, yeah. how long have 21 Tombstone, how long have you all been playing now as a as a, a real fan? Um, Boy, I want to say this is, like, our sixth or seventh year oh, that we've been doing man, okay. this. No kidding. So, oh, yeah. It's been a minute. That's fantastic, man. And, uh. So a couple questions, and I'll, I won't take up too much more time. But so you know, you reached out on Facebook. How many? I'm just curious. I, I'm, I'm always interested in sales. I love sales. I love how people are doing it in any kind of industry. So you reach out on Facebook. How many people did 
returns. And I, I was having to accept, you know, become friends with that. How many people said, who the hell are you screw off? How many people said, I don't know. I mean, how many people did you reach out to that say, yeah, man, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to hear what you're doing. I'm just curious through the Facebook, through any kind of sales that you're doing. Are you finding that, uh, people receptive to when you reach out to them, people mm-hmm. are telling you to go screw off. I mean, I know you're going to get some of that too, but it just from a pure sales standpoint, is a Facebook thing working pretty well for you? You know, Facebook works pretty well. Um, I would say Facebook is one of the w- more weak areas for us um, as far as actual numbers go. Um, we we get a lot of activity there, but a lot of it doesn't really. Um, I mean, some of it does. I, I shouldn't say most of it doesn't. Right. You know, we get we get some some sales through say through Facebook, but <clears throat> I would say Twitter beats it beats the pants off of it every day of the week. Really? Um, okay, interesting. Yeah, we we had at one point when we released our second record, the split record. Um, seventy-two percent of our sales were coming through uh, Twitter, so that's that's a huge number, you know. And wow, and we use Twitter heavily too, so so it uh, it doesn't surprise me. Facebook, you know, was was second to that, but uh, but yeah, Twitter seems more geared toward uh, toward business, I guess, and. It just seems like that's, that's working yeah. better number-wise. But Facebook is certainly by no means um, a bad thing for us. You know, we, right. we get a right. lot of activity and a lot of fans on there. It's just from a from an actual dollars in hand right. standpoint, it's you know it trails behind Twitter, you know, quite a bit. Yeah. How about uh, the age of YouTube? So now uh, you got free stuff on YouTube. And I've always wondered about musicians. How does that translate? Because at the end of the day, it's great. I mean, look, I mean, giving away stuff is great, but at the end of the day, you still got to get dollars in your pocket to stay in business. Mm-hmm. You find YouTube is a uh, challenge. Is it, I mean, it can't, I, I get the argument that it opens up a different path, but, you know, I mean, if you're giving away it all for free, then how do you? How does that translate to sales? I mean, and I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just curious. Is, is YouTube a, a good thing, a bad thing, or, or what do you think about that, if that makes any sense? I think I think YouTube and Spotify are both really good things. Um any streaming platform if you do it if you do it right and yeah. you set up your sync licensing, I mean you'll get paid for it. It's not much. But um you know, the reality is things like Spotify and YouTube, I don't feel like they should pay a lot. And I'll probably get crucified by a lot of musicians for saying that, but right. it it inspires you to push the platform harder and get more plays. And you know, if you're if you're getting a million plays, you're gonna see a decent amount of money. You know, it's not gonna be you know a million dollars or anything, right, but right, right. you know, it, the, obviously, the more plays you get, the better. And YouTube, um, we have sync licensing set up with YouTube, so if uh if you were to do a video of yourself dancing around your living room to a 20 watt song they're going to contact you about putting an ad on your video yeah. um and then we're going to see money from your video so i actually encourage people like we did a we did an ugly sweater contest one year we're like make a video of your favorite song show us your ugliest christmas sweater and, uh, 
you know, when all those people posted their videos with our songs, we actually got paid for it. It wasn't much, but you know, every dollar counts. So, oh man. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm all for YouTube. I think YouTube is a good thing. I I always think that artists should be paid more for what they do because we all are underpaid. But at the same time, um, it kind of inspires you to push your music and get you know get people following your YouTube channel or following your Twitter or you know promoting your Spotify so that you get more plays and make more money in the long run. Well, it's funny. They have uh, lots of psychology in terms of sales and about if you can get a client or a prospect or someone to, to be part, feeling like they're being part of the, you know, let's just say Wheaties mm-hmm. has, what do you, what's your favorite Wheaties boss, with Mario Lemieux or Wayne Gretzky, and the people who vote on that are going to be more, they, they're going to be more geared to buying Wheaties if they feel they have a stake in it, if that makes sense. So if someone jams around yeah. with a 20-watt video, uh, and their ugly sweater that just has they're gonna have more affinity for your band uh, simply because uh, because of that you invite them to do that they're gonna say oh man this guy you know I mean that's yep. uh, that's pretty cool man I, I, it's uh, it's amazing that uh, the basic like I said I, I've always been big on, on sales just and again not sales like going to use car dealer but just in terms of getting your name out there and there's stuff like that a lot of people over especially bands I, for the love of me I'm like man. You gotta get out there. You gotta start. I mean, you don't have to necessarily knock on doors. Probably doesn't hurt, but man, you gotta get the name out there. People aren't mm-hmm. just gonna pick up the phone because you're a band. I mean, there's eight million bands out yep. there, and, and no one cares. I hate to say it, but you gotta make them care by doing what you did, being proactive and reaching out. Um, all right, last question. So, in your videos, you have that old, I hate to say older lady, but uh, you have talked about in your videos who picks up and off you took cookies and. Uh, Who's in the sack with Mitch? I'm just curious. Who's that lady? And uh, how, 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 how did your videos come to fruition? Like, did you all sit down and say, "This is what we're gonna do." Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I just how does that work? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? What I'm asking you there. Um. Okay. Well, here's here's how that video came about, uh, or the concept, I should say. Yeah. Um. I thought up the story for the first video, and I ran it by Mitch, and he looked at me like I had just killed his puppy. I mean, he he was like, I don't know, man, that sounds super cheesy. Like, you know, how are we going to pull that off? And I said, you just agree to it. Let me work work on how we do it. So we pulled it off, and it went really well. And uh, we, we, we went on the quest for finding our old lady for that video. And... We couldn't find anybody, oddly enough. You know, like everybody that was the age we needed, um, you know, because there, there's obviously, you know, complications with transporting an older person places. It's hard on their body to, to drive anywhere. So uh, our buddy... you say, hey, you're an old lady, we need you to be... I actually went on Facebook. I actually went on Facebook and asked people, and we still didn't get anybody really. Um, but uh, but our buddy that writes for the uh, entertainment column here in town, um, he hit me up and said, "Yeah, my mom will do it." And the first thing I thought, mom is not old enough, you know, because his his mom didn't have gray hair, you know, for her age, she's actually, you know, she looks fantastic. Um, you know, so I was like, well, I don't know. I think your mom might be a little young for what we're looking for. So I talked to her about it, and she's like, well, I have some wigs that were my oh, mother's man. that I could probably wear, and I could do this and I could do that. And I said, well, you know, let's 
let's give it a shot and see what happens. Well, she shows up to the video shoot uh, for Shitty Ex-Girlfriend. Can I say that on here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Name the song, man. <laughs> All right. So she shows up to the video shoot for that song, uh, and she's like, yeah, I went to the thrift store, and I got this ugly sweater, uh, and it had, like, cats on it and stuff, and... And she's like, and I got my mom's wig. So she goes and puts all all of it on, and I'm like, okay, this is going to work. Yeah, um, oh, but she really embraced the role too. You know, she uh, she just she's like, how about I how about I try this, and how about I brought you know how about I use some whipped cream, and I've got this whip, and we're like, oh, okay, well you've got ideas. This is fantastic. So. By the end of the video, we were like, oh, man. man, we got the perfect lady for this. Like, yeah. she she yep. really, you know, came through for us. And uh, and Absolutely. she had so much fun doing it. Uh, her son actually hit us up about six months later and was like, dude, if you guys do another video, mom wants in really bad. <laughs> so, uh, so we were like, okay. So I guess she went to a family reunion and – played it for all of her relatives at the family reunion and they all loved it. But, uh, but yeah, so when we started thinking about the second video, I was like, well, she, she's got to have a cameo. We got to have her in it somewhere. But since it was about, um, you know, a not so great boyfriend this time, I'm like, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we incorporate that? So what we came up with is, a little bit of pre-story before the video starts. It shows Mitch in bed with her, yeah. like they're a couple now. And uh, as he's leaving, she's like, "Oh, hurry back! I'll make you some homemade cookies." So we thought that was cool to just kind of give her a little bit of a nod. And we're probably going to try to do that, you know, in the next video too, and incorporate some kind of cameo oh, for her. No, nah, you got you. That's uh, I, I mean, it's just. Videos are dime a dozen, but the ones that draw your attention are just the ones mm-hmm. that are unique. And that's, I mean, that that was that is absolutely fantastic. I hope you do uh, get a cameo with her in, in number three because that's the, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a classic, man. I could totally see yeah. her showing that to her frame family reunion, them all just they just falling and say that is the funniest thing ever. And folks, <laughs> if you're if you're watching this, just go to YouTube, Twenty Watt Tombstone, and you'll see the. Uh, Shitty girlfriend, and I'll play. I'll put a uh, the not. Uh, yeah, actually, I'll post this on my on my blog. The video link to the the embed, but also put out the out song that we do today, and then the other ones. Uh, your boyfriend's a jerk. That uh, you can watch that too. So I'll put both of those in, embedded in the uh, in the in the blog. Um, all right, last question. So Red Fang, I don't know if you ever heard of them, but they're a band. They got oh a, yeah, oh yeah. So they got good videos too, similar. And they get this check from Relapse Records that says five thousand bucks to make your video. <laughs> is that is that the cost to do a video five thousand bucks for you guys, or is it uh, just point and shoot with your iPhone or what? No, for us it's considerably less. We have we have a good guy that uh, works in Wisconsin. We we would never make music videos if they were five thousand dollars. <laughs> I, I didn't know if that's true or not. I just love the. Uh, yeah, they got this uh, check comes in the mail. For, you know, they're they're down on their bills and all that. Check for five thousand bucks. But man, what if that's uh, what if that's cheap or if that's a lot of money? I'd say because I've never. That's made a lot of money. Yes. Well, if, I'll tell you what. If we get a check for five thousand dollars from any record company for a music video, you're going to see about ten music videos come out. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, keep playing. I'm telling you. I tell you. I mean, you're obviously a creative guy, Tom. And something tells you that you know that. 
you're probably the guy with the uh, the ideas and salesmanship, and you know, I hate to keep posting on sales, but you can't get the word out there. If you don't get the word out there, no one's going to know you exist, and the way you do that is by, by being creative with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, look, I've watched it. I've been, like I said, I've been involved in music in terms of just as a consumer. I used to, a long time ago, I used to do a record label when I was in Phoenix uh, for more hardcore bands, and I felt just the lack of salesmanship always drove me crazy. I was like, man, you yeah. just got to get out there if you want to be heard, and uh and fans, even worse. I'm like, just because you're in a band, no one cares. You just got it doesn't have fun with it. So, I, I, man, I said, I love what you're doing. I, I, without question, if your product sucks, it doesn't matter. So your product, the music's good. You guys just, I hope you keep, keep doing it. You're kicking ass, taking names. I love it, man. So, any, um, Thanks, man. All right, where can people find you, man? Tell, uh, tell the audience. I grow my audience, too. So, you know, I'm not saying you'll get tell traffic off this, but this is my podcast number 15, and I plan, I do one every day, so where can people find you? Um, we're on all the usual stuff. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can find us on iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon, um, all the all the usual stuff. Google Play Music, we're on there, too. Um, and you're, you're based out of Atlanta, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. We're actually going We will be in Atlanta um, at the end of May. Oh, so, dude, I'm totally gonna be there. Absolutely, man. That's yeah, be great. That should be that should be a great show. Atlanta's always been very cool for us. We've we've had some really fun shows there. So, and I think this one will be, I think this one will be the best yet. So your your tour is gonna go like southeast, or you're cutting over like to Louisiana and up through uh, the Midwest, or what's uh, just the logistics of the tour? Where you're going? Um, we're we're basically kind of pinballing back and forth down the uh, the southeast coast. Okay. Then, then we're gonna get to Florida, then come back up, hit Georgia, um, and then we're gonna head west a little bit too. So, yeah, there'll be uh, you know, there like coming down, we'll do South Carolina, West Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, yeah. Tennessee, you know. And then, uh, you know, when we get to Florida, we'll we'll come back up and kind of go over, you know, head head west a little bit. Well, I'm definitely gonna check out Atlanta if I uh, man, if I get a chance to uh, to say I, I know you gotta play a show and all that, but if I get a chance to come say hey man, because this uh, like I said, folks, music's great. You know, YouTube is Starpoint Twenty Watt, Watt Tombstone. Check them out on tour. I'll put lots of show notes with the uh, various links uh, to to follow what they're doing. Tom, man, I appreciate it. It's been fantastic. I appreciate you taking our time. Absolutely appreciate you reaching out to me, man. That's, that's just wonderful. And, uh, man, well, keep thanks doing for it. having Nothing, me. Absolutely, Tom. Nothing but Godspeed to you. Tell Mitch and, uh, and Mitch's girlfriend. <laughs> thanks for doing that. It's uh, wonderful entertainment. And, again, the product is good, too. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Tom. Well, thank you. You got it, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Hi, nice boys. Would you like a ride? Would you boys like some homemade cookies? Cookies? Sweet! Yeah!